1: A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team.
0: Powered by Seahawks.com.
1: Out of his shotgun is Pennington. Tight end is flexed to the far side, so it makes four receivers split out on third and ten. Pennington has time, he has to step up. He's hit, still drills. Ball's intercepted. It's Jordan Babineau, the 20, 15, 10. Seahawks are on the board. Touchdown, Seahawks. What up, folks? This is Michael Bumpus with NASA Chobe Hawk Talk. And today we got the author, big play Jordan Babineau, joining us today. Babs, how you doing, man? Mike Bump, what's going on, NASA? Thanks, guys. You know, it's good to be doing it in the offseason. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for taking time out of your day. We got some things we want to talk to Babs about on the back end. But before we get to that, let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks and what has happened since the season has ended.
0: See what had happened at first.
1: What happened was. What had happened was on Hawk Talk. First thing that happened. New offensive coordinator Shane Waldron is in the house. He was the passing game coordinator for the Rams, and he brought his boy Andy Dickerson with him, who was the run game coordinator. So, pretty much safe to say, we're gonna see some Rams offense in the Seattle offense next year. Now, also, Russell Wilson has been named Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Greg Olson, Mike Upati retired. Jamal Adams has surgery. K.J. Wright, nominated for a Seattle Sports Star of the Year. A lot has happened. But, Babs, I want to ask you about the offensive coordinator hire. Was this necessary? Do you like the hire?
0: Well, in terms of necessary, absolutely. They had to fill that void, um, certainly after parting ways with Shadi, who I thought you know, did a, a pretty good job of navigating this offense and getting um, at least the first half of the season, some sparks flying. I mean, I mean, this offense was just high powered, and Russell Wilson was playing, you know, at a high level. Um, now, what happened on, you know, the second half, and we we're in the what had happened seg- section. Um, you know, certainly, um, still being able to win as many games as they did uh, didn't perform as well, and for whatever reason, certainly when you uh, talk about a peak. Carroll offense, he's all about run first, you know, he wants to run that football. Um, and I think in, in, in many ways, offensively, um, you know, the Hawks kind of put themselves in, you know, bad situations, you know, going from, uh, first and second, not winning first and second down as well as they did in the first half of the season and putting themselves in third and long situations on third down. And, um, you know, or the running back like Chris Carson and, and the ability to to have Russell Wilson's skill set, uh, I think sometimes it, it, they, they got away from their core, um, whether it was Russell, you know, wanting to, to you know, uh, improvise on the run or not taking the check down or, you know, not running the ball in what would have been running situations. So moving away from being too predictable in the offense – they lost their identity a little bit offensively in the second half of the season. And we saw, saw the offense sputter a little bit. Now what we did see was that defense get better. Bump, yeah. So that was, and there was some, <laughs> some bonus. I mean, some, some good that happened in the second mm-hmm. half of the season. So the
1: good was the defense getting better. The bad was the way the offense kind of limped into the playoffs and kind of caught up to them. So now they got a new coordinator. If you are Shane Waldron, what's priority?
0: What, what's the first thing you want to do when you get into the building? Well, I mean, you and I have both have been reading the headlines and Russell Wilson seems that priority number one is addressing the offensive line. And, and you probably, you know, look at the offensive line. In my opinion, I thought the offensive line was, you know, probably one of the better units that Russell has had, you know, um, in the last few years. Um, the, the most, I would say, probably questionable position was, um, you know, seeing Justin Brick get hurt, you know, at the center position. So they, may, they had a change there. Uh, the left guard position, they were working out, um, working with Mike Upati, uh, but he's older now. And now that he's retired, um, certainly that's, to me, probably a question mark, um, you know, in filling that void. But uh, across the board, I thought offensive, the offensive line was, was you know, pretty, pretty solid in, in terms of where they finished. Um, but the running back position is something that I think you, you'd see, uh, you know, take a heavy look at as well. Um, Carson, uh, I believe, is a free agent and, um, you know, wanting to run the football and having looked at the success that the Rams have had in the past with running the football. Uh, you know, we saw what happened in the playoff game, in the wild card playoff game. Uh, we know that the running game is going to be a, a heavy emphasis in this offseason.
1: Well, here's the good thing, Babs. Shane Waldron's been in the league for eight years, coaching experience. He's coached under Belichick, Sean McVay. So he's got some great examples of what winning looks like. Now, I heard him speak as well, and he seems like balance to him means doing the right thing at the right time, not necessarily 50% run, 50% passes. What is this defense giving you and taking advantage of that?
2: You talk about balance because Shane Waldron has done, I think, the big part about when he came in here is talking about what is he going to do. People want to talk about the identity, and you hit on balance when you t- spoke with him earlier on Hawk Talk, and also when he spoke to 710 ESPN with Danny Gallant. And here's a little snippet of what he said when he talks about balance on offense, but also not being conservative. Just because it's a, you know I'm saying that it's a balanced attack doesn't mean that that's a uh, conservative t- attack. So I, I don't ever want to get that confused. So that'll really be the uh, you know the core philosophy that we we live by as far as the the starting point with you know, run versus pass versus, you know, any other schematic things we want to get into. Uh, We want to be, we want to have that balanced approach. So when you talk about balance, bump and Babs, both of you guys can jump in here. We've talked about this a lot on the pre and post game show, right? Balance people think, balance, 50% run, 50% pass, right? But we know that's not what it's about. And I think it's really comforting to hear Shane talk about balance and what that's going to mean to him. So when he comes in here, Babs, what do you want to see from a balance standpoint in the Seahawks offense?
0: Yeah, um, so I, I think – and maybe DK may, may have been the one that said it, that at some point it seems like the defense had a, a, a clear idea of what the offense was running, that they became too predictable at times. Um, you know, balance attack is exactly that. I, I, I like that idea. It's not running into the eight-man boxes just to prove a point or be aggressive. Now, certainly if it's four-minute offense and we need to run the football, you know, to run the clock out. To get to get the win, um, different. But it sounds like uh, what Waldron is discussing is situational football, and you know, giving Russell the ability to to make those checks at the line of scrimmage based on what the defense is giving them. It makes sense to run into a four, I mean, uh, a seven man box, uh, even though a pass may have been called. Um, but I'd like to see, and something that I've that I've seen quite a bit with the Rams offense is that their quarterback Goff was under center quite a bit more. And, you know, instead of running the ball out of the offense, um, always out of the gun Um, could be something that we see Russell under center a little bit more.
1: When I think of balance, I think of I I just put myself in that Rams uh, film room. You got two tight ends. One tight end had 500 yards. One tight end has 600 yards. You got three receivers. Over six, 700 yards as well. And you got three running backs who are getting it done. You protect a quarterback and golf who was only sacked 20-something times, Babs. That dude ain't mobile. But he only sacked 20-something times. And that shows, to me, balance in the offense. All the stats I just ran off, plus Jared Goff not being sacked a lot, shows balance to me. So now we talked about Russell Wilson, man of the year, KJ, Seattle sports star. You got an offensive coordinator coming in here, Shane Waldron. What else should we be optimistic about? Why should we be be optimistic that the Seahawks are going to have a good season? Let me remind folks: they were twelve and four, still had a good season, but we yeah. want more. So, why why should we be optimistic?
0: Wow, Bub, you speak for all Seahawks fans, man. You guys are greedy, man. <laughs> you know, twelve <laughs> wins is not good enough, man. I guess not. <laughs> um, you know, because you know, the reason is is that you know, I I think that first I'll say that. Um, you know, the Russell Wilson talk, uh, you know, is, is more so like, you know, two brothers arguing over the last dinner roll. <laughs> you, know, um, it, you know, look, my, we'll bake more. You know, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get more dinner rolls on the table, guys. I'm, come on. Um, and, and you know, but but because of that, you know, with, with Coach Carroll and um, Russell Wilson combination, um, if you look at the history, I mean, why, why would you believe anything different than these two are able to put together another winning season? And then offensively, being able to add, you know, a weapon and a head coach like the, the new offensive coordinator in Waldron that we just hired. Um, it, immediately, it, at least on surface, on paper right now, you, you would say that the offense has improved because of, you know, the success that we've seen over the course of the last few years with the Rams offense and, Anyone who's watched the NFC West and watched the Seattle Seahawks battle the LA Rams in the past, understand that that has always been a tough matchup for the Seahawks and not just because they, their, their defense is as good. And certainly their defense got a lot better last year. And of course, if you got the best defensive player in the game and Aaron Donald, I mean, you know, he can cause havoc to any offense, but, but everything that you mentioned from a balanced attack and, uh, their their receivers and their tight ends having success in throwing the football. Uh, Jared Goff, you know, who's no longer in LA, but even still has had a lot of success early in his career, suggests that this offense will make improvements. Um, and then you match Pete Carroll, uh, and and you you know as the leader of this of this team, um, I'm willing to bet that this team gets back to the playoffs. Now, what they do when they get there. Um, obviously that's, that's a different season when you move from the regular season to the playoffs, but that's the reason that I'm optimistic about this Hawks team, you know, really um, validating this 12 win season that they just came off of.
2: I think guys, there's so much to be optimistic for, obviously the way it ended wasn't great losing in the first round of the wildcard playoffs last year, but on the offensive side of the ball, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett had two of the best seasons that have ever been had as receivers in Seattle ever. You have a new offensive coordinator can put his spin on it, stuff he takes from the Rams and throughout his career. Then you got Damian Lewis. Damian Lewis is going to be a future all-pro at some point, okay? He was an all-rookie, pro football focus, all that stuff last year. So there's things to be really excited about on offense. Then you flip it to defense. DJ Reed, he came in out of nowhere. He might be a starting corner next year. Who knows about that? Jordan Brooks is a young cat who stepped in, and once he got a seat wet and playing – so even with the guys that we know are under contract that are coming back, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Jamal Adams is going to be healthy. Coming off a year where he had nine and a half sacks, set an NFL record for defensive backs. I mean, guys, so much to look forward to. I kind of just talking about it gets me fired up, man. I'm ready for training <laughs> camp. Let's go, bro.
1: Get us going, Nass. You hear it, people. Be optimistic. All those reasons Nass is lifted off right now. But now I'm going to flip it, all right? Now, why should we be concerned? I'll give you a couple reasons why. You can be concerned. Chris Carson is a free agent. Shaq Griffin is a free agent. Don't know what Carlos Dunlap's going to do. They got to do some things on defense and kind of maintain what you talked about, Babs, how they finish the regular season when it came to the performance of this defense. All right, we did the good side. Now what's the bad side? Reason for concern. Any
0: reason? Yeah, I think the cornerback position, uh, possibly the linebacker as well, K.J. Wright, man. I mean, K.J. is probably one of, you know, the favorite Seahawks of all time. Um, the guy is just selfless, a great player. In fact, I think you know, ten years in the NFL, this guy is coming off his best season. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. and and when he was asked to do less or 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 change his position, uh, as the team was welcoming their their young rookie and Jordan Brooks, um, the defensive line is going to get better. Um, and you know, I, I I guess just looking across the board. Um, you know from from that standpoint as well is that here's what i really hope bump and and i know the 12s do as well getting the fans back into the stadium next year man i yeah. mean that's huge that will be a huge lift and certainly um, you know it was just unfortunate that we had to you know go through what we did last season but man we played a full season um, you know in the middle of the pandemic so having the 12s back in the stadium would be would be amazing uh, and certainly there's a lot of young rookies and a lot of young talent uh, that will that, take this franchise over the next few years, um, you know, in, in being a competitive franchise in the NFC West. Uh, what, what stands out to you, Bump? I mean, wh- wh- where are the, where the concerns, man?
1: Concerns. Guys got to get paid. Guys want to get paid. They should get paid. And how many of these guys are going to be able to bring back in the development of the young guys behind them, which yeah. leads me to my next question there. Who's going to have a breakout season? I'm going to name. I'm just giving you some names out of these guys. Who do you think has a breakout season for the Hawks? All right. We got Marquise Blair, LJ Collier, Jordan Brooks, Puna Ford, Rashad Penny, DJ Reed on the back end, Jordan Simmons, Phil Haynes, Jamarco Jones, Kyle Fuller. Who's breaking out?
0: oh well uh, I know Marquise Blair be coming off of injury and, and uh, man he had you know a tremendous upside and, and, and great plans for him so I, I think he I think he comes back with um, with the vengeance and something to prove a, a chip on his shoulder uh, LJ Collier you know we watched LJ his rookie season battle injuries and now his second year uh, he was productive. You know, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see his growth as well, and then of course Jordan Brooks. And I know I talked specifically about the defensive players right there, bump. But those exactly. are the players that I've been watching, man. And those those young players right there have the ability to be playmakers, and now it's just going out and doing it and and continuing to um to get better at at their roles.
2: All right, I mean, for me, when you talk about breakout players, there's a ton to look at. L.J. Collier is the one that sticks out to me, right? He was a former first-round pick. He got a lot of heat in Seattle because he got hurt starting off, right? So he missed all of camp in 2019. He was kind of slow getting along. But last year, he kind of came out, made some plays, had three sacks, had over 20 tackles. He was on Good Foot, uh, Good Morning Football on NFL Network this morning. And he just talked about, hey, like, he kind of got his legs under him. His sophomore year, he's ready to go. And he said, hey, I'm coming with it in year three. He's poised to have a breakout season. I think it's there. I think – the improvement on defensive line with Jaron Reed and you, you add Carlos Dunlap, I think in year three, he's finally going to get, you know, he knows what it's like to be a pro now. So LJ Collier for me is the guy I think is finally going to come out and be that first round pick that all Seahawks fans and 12s want him to be. And I think he's finally going to do that next year.
1: I'm going with Marquise Blair, baby. Okay. He was shining before he got hurt. He was shining, man. That hurt my heart seeing the youngster go down because yeah. he, he seemed he seemed versatile. He, he was a safety. They started playing him playing in that nickel spot. I even think he can be a serviceable corner at some point in his career. I'm looking at my guy, Marquise Blair. All right, now let's talk about the NFC West. What's the word in the West, Nas? Put
0: my soldiers at
2: and the Seahawks are the NFC
0: West champs again.
2: What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk?
1: What's the word in the West? I'll tell you what the word is. The Hawks run the division. 12 and 4, the Rams 10 and 6, Arizona finished 8 and 8, started off hot then they fizzled out a bit. And the 49ers at 6 and 10 was just there to mess everybody's season up, right? You didn't you, they weren't a playoff team, but you knew that they can jack some stuff up. So the word in the West is the Hawks get the banner, but the Rams get some revenge in the playoffs, which is unfortunate. Overall feel of the NFC West right now, Babs.
0: Yeah, it's it's still going to be competitive. I I, I think it's still one of the most competitive divisions um, in the NFC. Um, You look across the quarterback. Now um, the Rams no longer have golf, but they bring in Matthew Stafford. And while he's never had success in the playoffs, I mean, he, he's he been a machine and putting up numbers and passing and throwing the ball all across the field. So I think they will still be, con- you know, continue to be challenged by this, um, this LA Rams rival. Um, you, you have Kyler Murray on the other side for, for the Cardinals, uh, his growth, his development, and he's, he's still a scary Scary athlete, man, when he has the ball in his hands. So um, the 49ers probably, um, you know, there's still some question marks. You know, I mean, there's a lot of conversation of what they're, if they're planning on parting ways with their quarterback. um, But you just never know. But defensively, they were uh, a really, really good football team, even though they lost their defensive coordinator. They're going to have to, um, you know, maybe find a way to to, to, to fill that void. Uh, But they do have the players to do it. Uh, they dealt with just a lot of injuries last year, and which made them a sub-500 team. So they could be coming back, you know, with the vengeance. But as you said,
2: they still have to knock off the NFC champs. And right now, that's the Seattle Seahawks. Man, guys, the West is – I think the West is going to come back and once again be the best division in football, right? I mean, for yeah. the most part of last season, they were. You look at the records. You had two playoff teams, almost had three. And Matthew Stafford, man, I'm not going to lie to you. That got me a little shook, man. I mean, I know the Rams <laughs> will not have a first-round draft pick till my kids are in high school, but when they do, I know that's I know that's down the road. But Matthew Stafford's a game changer, I think. I think with uh, Sean McVay, he's a great off he's a great offensive mind. They still got a lot of weapons out there, so they scare me, of course. And then you got you touched on it, Babs, Kyler Murray, coming into year three. Um, he could be the next big thing, right? You know, the league kind of started to figure him out a little bit towards the end of last year, but he's got so much potential. And you got really good coaches in the NFC West. So, for me, I just think this division, once again, is going to be the best division in football. But as Bab said, you got to knock off the champs. We still have number three. We still have Pete Carroll. And one last thing you got to forget the Rams, they lost damn near their whole coaching staff. We got two of them up in Seattle. Their coaching staff's all over. So, there's just so many different question marks. And it's going to be an interesting offseason once uh, free agency really gets going here in March.
1: That's what happens when you win. They start poaching your coaches. McVay's going to have to do have his best coaching year ever this year. It's no longer a secret. Everybody's taking your coaches. You got a new quarterback. And I feel like the Rams thought they're a quarterback away from being a great team. We will find out. But right now, no, we're going to do bass. We're going to pivot. We're going to pivot this thing. All right. Pivot to win. My guy Babs is an author. If you haven't picked it up yet, Pivot to win. It's on Amazon. It's everywhere right now. Follow this man. Click on his links. He will get you going. But before we focus on the pivot to win it, there was a day when Babs was big play Babs. He was just a teammate. You know what I'm saying? He was 27. He used to choke me out at the line of scrimmage during one-on-ones, had to get him off of me. You know what I mean? Babs is more than an author, but author is great. But he was big play Babs at one point. Tony Romo is the holder, so he is a quarterback, and uh, that means he can also fake this.
0: means anything can happen. Fourth and one. Gramatica, the field goal will be spotted at the nine-yard line, so a 19-yard
1: field goal by Gramatica. There's the snap, the spot. Romo's going to run it in. He's hit it. He's knocked down. He doesn't get there. I can't tell if he fumbled. I think the ball is down. And as a matter of fact, he is. He's down on the lawn. Unbelievable. Romo can't get the spot down. Babs, you will—you are immortal. You will live forever in, in football because of that play. So congratulations, sir. But let's talk about your book, Pivot to It. What inspired you to write that book? And why is the ability to pivot so crucial when it comes to life, business, sports, Help me out.
0: Yeah, thank thanks, bump. It's you know it's exciting. Um, and I will tell you, I I uh, I went on this journey of of writing uh, writing Pivot to Win back in uh, the summer of 2019. And you know, at, at the core of, of you know who I am and and my my desire to want to create impact and create community, um, it, it's about helping other people. Pivot to Win is just another way that gives me an opportunity to do so. And in the book pivot to win. I share my stories of success and failures. And, you know, we're all, we're all pivoting, you know, all the time. Um, you know, whether we realize it or not changes uh, one thing that's consistent in, in our lives and and, and bump, I, I know you've had your experiences as well at, of pivoting away from the NFL, but, you know, for me, it was, it was a big challenge. You know, um, I felt like I lost a, a self a, a piece of myself. I lost a little bit of identity. I was dealing with um, challenges and of, um, you know, uh psychology challenges of of um value, uh finding myself. Um I think one of the biggest things when I talk to uh, former players is like when they come out of the NFL, it's like, well, what am I gonna do? So time management became um, you know, one of the big skills that I really had to hone in on. Uh, but, you know, I had to in redefining success, you know, it was no longer putting on a jersey uh, you know, catching interceptions or, or chasing Tony Romo down before he got into the end zone. Um, but, I, but I will say that, you know, accepting change and accepting uh, the challenge of pivoting away uh, became the catalyst for growth for me.
2: I think you just jumped into my next question, uh, Babs. You talked about obviously you put the pads on. We know he's big play Babs. We know, he's number 27. Um, not everyone knows you as everything else that you're about, man. We, and not everyone knows that you got an MBA, that you went back to school, that you have a bunch of different businesses. So like since retiring, you became a broadcaster, you founded those businesses. What, what would you credit probably your, your ability to, like you said, pivot you went from, cause no one, no one, there's no game plan, right? When you're done playing football, I think that's so many things that people struggle with. So how did you go from that to being so successful in every other part of your life?
0: Yeah. You know, um, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, for me is, is that no matter where I was in my circumstances, well, I'll go back. So, so I grew up in Port Arthur, Texas and I'm talking, you know, as many um, other athletes may have experienced, you know, I was surrounded by, by drug addiction, by violence, by um, you know, my mother was on government assistance and, you know, the streets seemed like a faster way to make money. Um, but, but I never really, Um, let my condition or circumstances dictate where I wanted to go or what I envisioned for myself. And I won't say that that was innate, that was natural. It was something that um, just as a kid that I wanted to develop and I wanted to grow and I was interested in. Um, I remember as a a child looking looking at a clock on the wall and, you know, understanding like, how does this clock work? Like, how does this clock know that it's noon or that it's 1230 or whatever time it was? Uh, well, I later found out as I got older, bump that all it took was batteries, right? You put it to <laughs> put batteries in it and it works. But, but when we talk about the, the clock, you know, this 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 idea of the clock is that you know one axle or one mechanism moves the other, you know. And it's like, what am I doing now today that will help me move closer to the person I become or the person I desire for myself, the change that I want to seek in my own life, or um, or the, you know, the, the the upgrade or um, advancement in my career that I want, and I really had to examine some of my habits, and I had to let go some of the habits that worked, that wasn't serving those purposes. and um, just became a, a, a real um, um, opportunity for me to address the things that I felt as a player that I've masked for so long. You know, as kids and as young boys, we're taught, oh, don't cry, or you know, toughen up and especially in football when we have this alpha male mentality and this macho mindset that I can do it all. And, and, and you know, and nothing hurts. Well, um, it's 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 when I began to pivot away from the NFL that I was also pivoting emotionally and spiritually. And and, and I wrapped that all together. Uh, and through this book writing process, I was able to let go of a lot of the things that I would have masked and the things that I've held on for so long. Um, so I would, I would credit to, to, to just having that, that growth mindset and looking out uh, beyond the current circumstances and conditions that I was in uh, to achieve and want something better for where I was uh, in my current circumstance, in my current condition.
1: Yeah, Baz, and I feel like you couldn't do that without having someone or something hold you accountable. You talk about finding people to hold you accountable in your book. Who does it for you? And why do you feel like that's so essential?
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things when, when you start talking about accountability um, that, you know um, you can be accountable to yourself. Right. But um, I think when you began to, um, to share what it is that you want with someone who can hold you accountable, for instance, you, I mean, when we played, our coaches held us accountable. I mean, you have to know the playbook um, in order to make, to get on the field, you you, you have to understand your position and you all, have to understand how the positions around you work as well. I mean, you, you really have to look at it from a, a big picture, a bird's eye view of how the offense, how one player affects the movement of the other. Um, you know, having an accountability group, having a, a performance partner, whatever you want to call it, you know, to me just gives you an opportunity to, um, to step up. And I, I'll, I'll use this instance. When I decided to write this book, I was at a um, a business leadership uh, masterclass down in San Diego. My mentor, Darren Hardy, um, you know, held this private engagement with a hundred business owners across the world. And he, um, he stood up, he invited us to come back a little early for anyone who was interested in writing a book. And somehow, some way, uh, this, this idea clicked in for me. Now, I didn't know what this writing process would be or what the topic and subject would be. But I stood up in front of 99 other people and said, I'm going to write a book. And just uttering those words to myself, I was like, what are you doing? And but it's that level of accountability. I I think when if we're answering to ourselves and it's okay to say, oh, I'll sleep in today, I'll make it up tomorrow or, oh, um, things aren't going well. I'm not seeing the success that I want. You know, I can give up. But when you have that accountability partner, you want to you want to to live up to what you said you wanted to do. And um, I think that's just super important when you start to set goals for yourself, that that's one way to help you achieve your goals is to have that accountability partner and someone that could help you uh, reach the person or or desire that you want for yourself.
2: You know, I think, I love hearing about talking about being accountable, because accountable is something that, as you learn as a football player, you learn in life, it's something that, that you need. If you say you're gonna do something, do it, right? But I think what happens beyond that is you get, told no a lot right as i'm sure as a football player as trying to start your own business going back to school you've probably been told no 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 so in pivot to win you know it's just refuse to take no for an answer you know we hear that a lot but what does that mean in practice
0: yeah yeah no that's that's great and you're absolutely right you know um starting a small business is no easy feat you know when you when you want to go to a banker with with a great idea or a concept that is proven Uh, to get capital so you can scale up and you're told no. Um, Or you want to seek a client or relationship or a business partner um, and suddenly you can't get the access that you need to them. You know, I I often think of when people tell me no, then well, maybe I'm just asking the wrong person. (laughs) You know, really, I mean, it's like you're not the person that I need to talk to because I don't want to give someone the authority or the permission to say that I can't achieve something that I want. And, and oftentimes, just the person who, who's saying the no uh, is standing in the way of what it is that you want. I'll share this on the other side, too, is that not telling yourself no. You know, um, there's there's this battle that we all experience. And, you know, whether you're a professional football player or not, there's this battle between the body and the mind. And we all have this enemy that lives within us that tells us we we. You know, don't try that. Or, you know, you may look silly doing that. Don't do it, right? And it forces us to act to not act within our, you know, our self, our our, our given self, um, to be authentic and to be real. When really that that inclination or that idea uh, is 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 sometimes a divine or a spiritual, uh, 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 you know, talk or or voice that's given us permission to do that. And and oftentimes when we um, when we fight this enemy that lives within us, that that keeps us caged from taking that step, uh, it's it's we're like we're living in this sense of fear, and 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 it's really hindering us for uh, an opportunity to see beyond what this what this false evidence of 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 um, uh, appearing real in our head uh, is telling us not to do, and it's stopping us from achieving something that where we see it and we do it there's new discoveries on the other side of that no. There's new discoveries on the other side of taking that first step and acting. And I think that's one of, uh, you know, two ways to look at it. It's the one person that's standing in the way of your yes, and maybe you're just asking the wrong person who don't have the authority, but then it's also not telling yourself no and moving beyond uh, this initial sense of fear because it seems uh, a little bit frightening or uncomfortable to do something that you really want for yourself. Babs,
1: blessed us with a bunch of knowledge and that's just a snippet go get the book folks pivot to win man within 15 minutes man i took down about four five six notes there bab so uh we appreciate you coming on man like we said go get this man's book pivot to win transition accountability a whole bunch of stuff you didn't even touch on i'm excited to read man i appreciate you taking time out of your day
0: yeah, thanks. Thanks, Bump. And and for those, um, you know, you can go get a free chapter download right now at PivotToWin.com. Uh, certainly follow me on all of the social media channels at Jordan Babineau on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn uh, and, um, and Instagram. And then and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this quote here, um, Bump. This um, It's a quote from Muhammad Ali. And it says, the, a man who views the world the same at 50 as he did at 20 has wasted 30 years of his life. And, and essentially, Pivot to Win is a story of change. It's a story of evolution. It's a story of growth. And now more, more than ever, uh, here we are having to pivot, both personally and professionally, after experiencing a world pandemic, that the opportunity for us to grow is right before us. So I, again, that's pivot to win.com You can log on right now and get a free chapter download. And if you want more, uh, it's available on Amazon.
1: Pivot to Win. You know what you do when you pivot too? Triple threat, baby. That's what we were. We were triple threat right now. Ooh, that was smooth. I'm right, hey, like a
0: basketball player.
1: <laughs> reminder, you can hear us everywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more.
0: Again, that's Jordan Babino. Thanks for your time, sir. All right. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate you having me. nasty good to see you again. Always, 12s. I love you. Go Hawks.